Hey up, how's it going? My name is Matt Barr, you're listening to episode 41 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. Usual drill, I'm here to uncover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. If you're a regular, I'm sure you know the score by now. If you're a newcomer, then welcome and I hope you enjoy this episode, which is a good one. So I've been trailing it for a while. But my guest this week is uh, climber Shauna Coxey, two times winner of the Baldwin World Cup, one of the driving forces behind the Women's Climbing Symposium, and is basically one of competitive climbing's biggest world stars, who is uh, very much going to be in the spotlight when climbing makes its debut at the Tokyo Olympics in two years' time. So given that CV, and given how busy Shauna is with training, competing, her sponsor commitments and everything else. Yeah, it's taken a while to set this one up. About nine months, I reckon. I've trailed it at various points that time. And I've got to say, it's well worth the wait. So I caught up with Shauna in London on the South Bank on the, the day of the heat wave. Uh, I guess it was about April the 17th when it was, I think it was 28 degrees. Pretty hot anyway. So we met on the South Bank, which uh, accounts for the noise you can hear. We were quite near the uh, undercroft, so there's bit of skateboarding in the background, bit of hustle and bustle. But yeah, really enjoyed this chat. As you're going to hear, Shauna's great company, completely unpretentious, about as positive a role model for climbing as you could wish for. Uh, so much so that I decided to interrupt my Swiss omnibus and bump it up the queue to get it out as soon as possible. And after meeting her, I can't say I'm surprised that she's so admired in a sport and is considered to be uh, such a role model. And what I particularly enjoyed about this one, one of the insights we glean about how to get to the very top of your sport in the way that Sean has done. And I think what comes across almost immediately is a mindset which is, yeah, extremely positive. And let's be honest, an upbringing in Runcorn to the top of the world indoor climbing game is a long old uh, journey, if you'll forgive the expression. No matter how focused and ambitious and physically talented you are, which are traits that Shauna obviously uh, has in the locker. But that old cliche about mental strength being the difference between good and great is really true, I think. And you can definitely hear that throughout my conversation with Shauna. I mean, listen to her on dealing with four-month injury layoffs, for example, which is something that she's um, having to deal with with a lot of regularity. Or listen to her on a mental approach to competition, basically what you've got is an object lesson in using mindset to your advantage and training yourself to approach setbacks and problems in a particularly positive way. Similarly, I also found the insights into the way Shauna compartmentalizes her achievements and moves on so abruptly to the next goal, equally revealing. As I uh, mentioned during our chat, it's something I've noticed a lot of extremely successful people have in common and it does certainly help to explain how she's been able to get to the top of her sport so confidently and successfully. And it does also give us an insight into how she's going to prepare for the next challenge of the Olympics, which is a topic we dig right into during this chat. Now, I'm not going to say much more, as I imagine you're all way more interested in hearing from Shauna than from me. But yeah, what a positive and articulate spokesperson she is. And like I said, I really enjoyed the opportunity of sitting down with her to cast and casting an eye back over a career, find that plans for the future and all the rest of it. So uh, yeah, nice one. Huge thanks to Jenny at Band of Birds for helping set this one up. Really couldn't have done it without her going out of her way to help juggle schedules and make it happen. So nice one, Jenny. Appreciate that. Okay, there'll be more of the usual yibble from me at the end of the conversation. 
But in the meantime, here it is my chat with Shauna Coxie on how positivity is a choice. Enjoy. So I'm with Shauna, how are you? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Yeah? How's your day going? My day is going very well. I've had an interesting morning, I've done some training, and it is glorious in London today, so I'm very, very happy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, I, I just I look at it, it's 26 degrees. 26 degrees? Yeah, and we're on the, what, like the 19th of April or something. Yeah, it feels like winter ended and summer started straight away. Yeah, so yeah. I am not complaining. I am all for the sunshine. <laughs> I, actually, I actually surfed this morning. I surfed in, in uh, near Chichester. Like no a, way. Cool, a, break called well break it's a beat that's overstating it's a beach called Wittering <laughs> and it was uh really sunny beautiful waves which is quite rare for down there but like amazing <laughs> waves yeah me and my mate were like Jesus like, this sounds is a, lo- a lot more glamorous than my morning spent in a climbing wall but you know <laughs> I was I mean it was like proper freak like everyone's getting out of the water going like this that was really good that was nice. like really unusual yeah it was good yeah so where were you climbing um just at one of the walls in London, yeah, just having a session, climbing around and doing a bit of prep ahead of the World Cup this coming weekend. So, yeah, it's yeah, a good, good to, session. You're off to Moscow, right? Yeah, heading there tomorrow morning, so. Right. Yeah, excited. I've never been to Moscow, so yeah. here it's pretty cool. And you're just back from uh, Switzerland? Yeah, so landed from Switzerland a couple of days ago and then down in London for a little bit and then head out to Moscow. Right. So how how'd you go in Switzerland? Was that your first comp since you've been recovering from injury? So yeah, it was the first World Cup of the season. I injured my finger about four months ago now and it was quite a severe injury, although there is absolutely nothing to show for it. You can't there's no scar, there's no swelling, bruising, anything. Everyone's like, Can I see it? And it right. just looks like a normal hand, which is kinda of disappointing. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it took me quite a while to come back from that and then yeah, about two weeks ago I got the old clear to climb on it freely and was trying to decide whether or not to compete but decided that I just love the crowd in Switzerland. Right. At the World Cups that there's always an amazing atmosphere and I wanted to be part of that again and yeah. I mean coming back from injury you always have to have a first comp yeah. and for me going into a comp to participate as opposed to compete for first place is different and it was a different mindset but I'm very glad that I was I was there and got involved. Were you, what did you come sixth? Yeah I came sixth. Right so you know still you well must I be, made the finals in third place and then dropped down to sixth so that wasn't must, ideal but um, you must be pleased no, though. I'm, I'm really happy there was a moment in qualification where I wasn't sure if I'd make the top 20 so to make it through to the semi-final and yeah I mean to be in the final and get to climb in front of that crowd and be part of the show I think yeah I'm I'm really happy but I'm not satisfied you know no. like I I'm, I always want to be up there competing with the girls for first place and yeah, yeah that's where I want to get back to. So tell me about your injury um, so it was your finger and it was your ring finger right? Yeah so it was my right ring finger and it was this tendon called your A2 pulley um, and I tore about 80% of it so it was pretty well torn and had to rest it for quite a long period of time to make sure I didn't fully rupture it and then reintroduce myself to climbing and using my hand really slowly right. so it took about 12 to 14 weeks of oh, wow. uh, rehab before I could just go climbing again so I had really strict rules and regulations to like stick to before I could 
um, just go climbing. Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to get a lot of that. That's traffic on the Thames, isn't it, that we're, <laughs> that we're hearing. Yeah, it's so, busy today. <laughs> yeah, it is busy. Well, it's the weather's brought everyone out, I think, hasn't it? So, effectively, is, is it a severe form of tendonitis? Uh, it's still a bit in there, mate. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Is it, is it effectively a severe form of tendonitis? I don't think it's tendonitis, but yeah, it was just a torn tendon that needed injury. to reheal. Yeah. And is, that, um, is that just something that gradually builds up, as it were? From, from um, I mean, I've had a lot of finger injuries in the past and kind of rehab them without much support, I guess. So I've come back from many finger injuries, but none right. as severe as this. With this one, I was working really closely, closely with a great team. I had two physios working with, in fact, I had three physios that I was working with. And I saw a specialist, I had scans, and you know, I, I did everything as well as I could to make sure that I came back as strong as I could. Yeah. Um, and we are all really surprised at the progress that I've made and how well it's healed. And yeah, it's kind of unexpected, but at the same time, it's not because of the team that I'm working with are yeah. so good and they're so supportive in that. And the effort that you've put in, basically. And, yeah, to, and the effort. To, like, to, to do it I mean, properly. yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. It's hard to not just jump back on the wall and right. dive straight in. I mean, the rehab and doing the exercises, that's easy, you know? If you want to come back and you want to. I mean, with any injury, you've just got to put the time in and put the effort in. But I almost find that bit easy. And then it's the holding back bit that's the hard bit, yeah. not just kind of diving straight back in and making it worse again. So, yeah, for me, that's the hardest bit about coming back from injury. Well, it's a long layoff, isn't it? I mean, 14 weeks, that, that, that'd be challenging for anybody. I think that was after my like two week total rest period as well. So it was a really long time. How'd and you, I, how'd like, you I've had with... injuries in the past that right. I haven't taken that long to come back from. So it's so annoying when it's just your little, like a tiny little thing thing in your finger. And it's like, ah! Oh. Yeah, well, I was going to say, so how do you <laughs> cope with that mentally? Because you strike me as somebody who... It's got a lot of energy and likes yeah, like 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 likes activity <laughs> and likes you know likes yeah I like being getting, active and I like stuck being in, busy. So. so yeah, I mean, there wasn't actually that much time off once the rehab starts. I can kind of turn my attention to that and focus on that and make sure I'm doing that to my best, like the best I possibly can. Yeah. Um, but I think when I've been injured and when I'm coming back I need distractions I need things to do luckily I have a little dog at home that loves going out for walks so right. yeah it's quite a good distraction but um and I love baking and doing stuff like that and I run events like the women's climbing symposium and I organize an event with Beastmaker a company we run a footless climbing event so I kind of always seem to get injured when I'm quite when I've got something that I can put energy into yeah um I think because I do a lot of things there's always something a distraction there waiting um so yeah this one was just before an international footless climbing event that i organized so i kind of put a lot of effort and attention into that and yeah i mean i work for a charity called climbers against cancer as well so there's always things for me to be doing yeah, i'm never yeah. like never got, bored anyway you got, you got a lot going on so yeah i like are, to be busy are you quite good at then just kind of thinking okay well I've got to take this time off so I can put my energy into into these different projects and, and you know, not getting too stressed about it. Yeah, I don't think I'm very easily stressed. Um, I mean, I can get frustrated and upset that I'm injured, but it kind of lasts for about five minutes max because I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I have that much time to waste energy being annoyed. Um, you know, it's kind of, I think your mindset is a choice, how you deal with things and, yeah, I'd rather choose not to be upset and annoyed and 
just get over it and deal with it like crack on that, i mean that's that's a pretty rare thing to be able to do though i think i think people like say that they that they want to do that yeah you know that they mm. that they want to com- compartmentalize it almost and say okay i'm going to try and but that's not something that everybody finds easy, I don't think. Have you always had that trait? Have you always been able to do that? I think, like anything, the more you practice, the better you get. I've had a lot of injuries. I've had a lot of opportunities to practice coming back from injuries. Um, I think I'm one of those really annoying, positive people. Like, people will say, I think people would think I'm positive, but I think that's definitely a conscious choice that I make. I choose to have a positive outlook on things and I think anybody can do that if they put enough effort into it and enough practice into it. So yeah, I mean it's not something that necessarily comes naturally to me, but I definitely work on it. Yeah, well I guess it's part and parcel of being a professional athlete as well, isn't it? Like you say, you're going to get injured. It's going exactly, ha- yeah. to happen. And injuries are a blessing in disguise, you know. Every injury I've had, I've come back from stronger because I choose to have that outlook and I choose to think about what else I can work on. As soon as you get an injury, your attention has to shift from what you were doing to what you can still be doing. Right. And whether that's working on your mindset, on your head game, or, you know, you get a finger injury, you start to work on your legs more, you get a lower limb injury, you start to work on your upper body strength more. I think there's always an opportunity to create a new like outlook so you always kind of shift your attention or you can if you want to I mean that's just how I see it I guess have you got a list have you got a list of things that you do you know what I mean that you'd like the goals that you that you saw I thought you were going to say a list of injury goals I was like no 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 definitely not I've taken a lot of them (laughs) off (laughs) I'm going to consciously try and get injured to work on those other things no you know Um, what I mean have you got have you got a kind of list of goals that you because you say it sounds quite methodical I guess that's what I mean you know you're saying like you can work on your mindset you can do this you can do that I think now that I'm in a situation where I work with a really excellent team I have a great team of coaches and management and a structure in place where I kind of don't have to think about what I'm training a lot of the time I still question it and I still want to be aware of what I'm doing but I have so much trust in my team that I'm confident that going into the gym or looking at my training program what I'm doing is what I need to be doing so there's never a question in my mind whether I need to like tick boxes off or anything because they know where I'm at and what I want to get to and where my areas are for improvement Um, and we see things very clearly in, in the same way so yeah I think there will be boxes being checked off, yeah, but now yeah. it's not me having to write them down and tick them off, you know? But it, but I guess, and that helps you focus, right? That helps, yeah, for that, sure. That helps and you. it's it helps me just be a climber and get on the wall and like climb with the confidence of the team around me, not just myself. Yeah, so who's in the team? You mentioned the team, like who who's, who, who is that? Yeah, so my strength and conditioning coach, and I guess, what, what can we call her? She kind of manages everything. Um, Adela, uh, she's awesome. She's the most motivated sight person I've ever met right. in my entire life. Wow. Um, she sounds handy. Sounds, yeah, like, I sounds think like I need one of them. She is more motivated in sight than I am. And that is saying something. Right. I'm a pretty, pretty keen <laughs> person. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, she is always up for a good laugh, which helps because for me in training, I need to be having fun I think a lot of the time not all of the time of course not every day you want to go and do your job and that's the same as an athlete you know not every day you want to go and train but um, we like to joke that we work on a 70% fun and 30% serious ratio which just about works for me (laughs) so the training is something that you've always just relished is that fair to say that you've always I think I had to learn how to train yeah um, for a long long time I mean 
most of my climbing career. I didn't have a coach. I didn't train. I just went climbing. Well, that was I, what I was going to ask you, actually, because, you know, you talk about your team now. Yeah. But obviously, you... you you started climbing when you were really yeah, small, four didn't years you? Old. But, yeah, but, and so obviously, twenty odd years. Yeah. Now. <laughs> so and so, how long has that team been in place? Um, just a few years now. So, so before, not long. So before that, obviously, yeah, you, you had to sort of do all that yourself, didn't you? Yeah. So I kind of got to the point where I was getting on World Cup podiums and I was doing well, but um, wanted to train and wanted to get better and knew I couldn't do that on my own anymore right. and knew I couldn't do that with the aid of just the people who are around me. Climbing's a really social sport and people come together and there's always someone offering advice and helping you out and that got me a really long way um, the community and my own understanding of the sport but to make that next step I really needed help um, so I started working with a coach when I was around 19. I actually broke my leg and thought okay this is a good opportunity to gain a new perspective and kind of step back and come back from this and train and come back as a healthier, stronger athlete. Uh, and I didn't know how to do that on my own, so I sought help and advice at that point. And then, yeah, a few years later, things developed and changed and I started working with a new coach and with management and, yeah, it's just kind of developed very naturally from that point and I really wanted to get to a point where I could still work really well with my sponsors and fulfill all my commitments to them because I love working with the companies that I work with and also put everything I could into training because if I do something I'm not the sort of person to do it by halves if I'm going to commit to something I want to be the best possible person I can be it and whether that's being an athlete for my sponsors or winning World Cups or whatever avenue I'm going down, you know, I want to do that as best I can. And I felt that I needed the support of a management and a coaching team to be able to do that. So, right. yeah, that's kind of only really happened in the last year or so that we're really here and it's all working. That you've got it all in yeah, place. Yeah, it's awesome. It's yeah. really cool to that be, must be really nice. in that, that situation that must now. Take a, that must really relieve some pressure off you, like you say, to concentrate on being a climber. Yeah, I think I'm, one of, I'm definitely a person that... I'll always be busy. I'll always find something else to occupy my mind and my time. But um, to have the confidence that everything is taken care of, the bits that I kind of don't want to do maybe, um, but still want to be part of. So, yeah, yeah, it's cool to be in that situation now and I can just climb and do the things I love doing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a question you get asked a lot, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, could Could you give me a bit of an idea of like the sort of amount of training that you do? Because and and I'm gonna I mentioned earlier I've got um got a friend of mine Evie <laughs> who's 13 who's a very very keen climber and that's one of the questions that she was definitely interested in um like you know the obviously the competitions we yeah. see but what goes on in the background yeah so training's such a hot topic right now and especially in climbing cause there's a lot of development going on in our sport at the moment. I think as a young climber I just climbed up until the age of about 18 19 I didn't really train I guess I didn't do any stuff in the gym I didn't really work on any specific things I worked on my fingers a little bit I would do footless climbing and just kind of enjoy it as much as possible yeah Um. now it's a little different coming back from injury my training was much more gym based because I couldn't climb yeah I wasn't able to so I did a lot of work in the gym uh, this last year I've done more weights work than I have previously right. and really enjoyed it actually and I feel like a much more robust athlete for it okay Um. but there's 
climbing's a, the, a sport where you need your entire body. You know, your fingers are your point of contact on the wall. Yeah. If you want to be getting good at climbing, you need to be working on your fingers. As a as a young climber, that's difficult because you have growth plates and all that sort of stuff. And I don't really understand when the right time to go fingerboarding is. There's different different countries will tell you different things but um sure. for me i work on my fingers three days a week and really prioritize that that's i train on a beast maker so it's like a wooden fingerboard we call it um my friend evie's got one has she yeah. awesome yeah. yeah uh they're my favorite like finger tr- fingerboard training to do so um yeah. yeah i do it with added weight or like on different types of holds uh yeah as a young climber i don't know what the best way to do it is. I don't know if it's best to do it on the wall, but yeah, pull-ups are really good as well. As yeah. Especially when younger, I used to do a lot of on-the-minute pull-ups when I was younger, actually. What does so that I'd, mean? I don't know what so that means. I, I was really psyched as a kid, actually. I kind of forgotten about that. So every other day, so six days a week, one morning I do pull-ups on the minute. So you've got, imagine you've got a clock. When yeah. the hand gets to the top, you do a set amount of pull-ups. So I would do 10 pull-ups. Right. And then I'd wait rest for the rest of the minute and then when it gets back to the top the next minute you do 10 pull-ups again so like i do that for 10 minutes intervals against the clock pull up yeah i guess and yeah, we call wow. them on the minute pull-ups yeah, and then yeah. on the next day i do a 10 minute core session and this was always before school right. i kind of forgotten i even did that that's so funny <laughs> well i, I mean, don't do that anymore it's ex- <laughs> way too hard it explains, now. <laughs> explains a lot though doesn't it it sounds like you were yeah. keen so i mean again you it's a story that you've told often but you started when you were four yeah and you, and you saw it on tv yeah catherine desterville is it is that yeah catherine desterville yeah. i she spoke at one of my events the women's climbing symposium a few years back so well, she's I a legend right? got to French, meet her and French chat to her French alpinist legend yeah and it was so surreal i think it's the only time i've ever been genuinely like excited about meeting somebody i've never been starstruck or anything right. like that before i meet a lot of people but i'm usually like oh hey yeah but she's what like do you do? original um, heroine but yeah she was the person who introduced me to the sport that has just become my life you know so that was really cool what was it about that that really caught your att- your imagination at that age then do you remember that's 21 years ago oh i can't remember what i did yesterday <laughs> no, but <laughs> no like, i'm kidding it, it, um you know like I just, it's so formative i've though, rewatched the video um it's actually on youtube i think and i don't know what it is i don't know if it's the movement or the location or the style or what it is but even now it still captivates me and i think wow i really want to climb that like i want to go and do that right Um, oh i should i'll put a link up to this then yeah so that people can see it as well but basically it was just this this new thing that caught your imagination yeah i mean i'm really lucky to have a father that's really outgoing my dad always encouraged me to do stuff we were always in the outdoors we were i would go and watch him at his like trials bike shows and he was very active with me when i was younger so i was definitely encouraged to to be active and do things so yeah. i think when i saw that and said dad i want to do that it wasn't a oh that's what what is it it was like okay how do we do this like yeah. it was never a question of if it was how um so yeah i owe a lot to my dad for the support and encouragement that he gave me and even now you know he comes to the climbing wall and he'll tell me how to do things and I'm like shut up dad that's not going to work and he turns <laughs> away and I do it the way he said and right. I'm like oh, he can still tell me even now um, so yeah I think I, I mean I'm sure a lot of kids watch TV and go I want to do that yeah. um, I was just felt I feel like I'm really fortunate to have a well, father they, that was like okay I think they do but it's rare I think it's rare to stick with it you know what I mean? Yeah. I think Maybe kids, I'm just one of those really stubborn. I think kids people. find things, don't they, at a young age? But to to carry it through as you've done is, I'm, I'm guessing, quite rare. Yeah, I think it is as well. And I've met a lot of people along the way who found the sport and then lost their way within it. And 
through so many different circumstances and actually a lot of them are coming back to it now that they are working and wanting to be more active and have the time to put into climbing again but yeah there's not many people that I know that have stuck with it well I, I, and also you, you you hit your teenage years don't you you know and you get the distractions well, I don't know I guess but <laughs> you know but cla- the classic thing <laughs> like it's like kids that are into football yeah you know discover drinking and yeah. you know, I think that happens a lot doesn't it so I guess it it does happen but and like I saw it happening of course I had a lot of friends at school and I was kind of I wasn't like the outcast that was sat at the side you know like the, the climber the weird one but um and I was social and I liked hanging out with my friends but climbing always came first and people ask if there were sacrifices that were made and my dad would always explain to me like you're making these choices like do you see them as sacrifices if like what path do you want to take and right. it never felt like I was sacrificing anything I never felt like I had to choose I always wanted to go climbing and I always wanted to go training and I still went out with my friends and did stuff but I'd always like I'd put climbing first when it mattered but yeah I was definitely felt like I had a good balance throughout my childhood and even still now um I feel like I have a really good life work balance I guess if you take climbing as my work so sure it's good it's good parenting that isn't it like put the choice on you and and, and make it like not not no pressure exactly I never felt any pressure at all from my father and um, yeah, even still now, he comes and supports at the events, and but he um, does. I don't feel any pressure from him. I just feel like very supported. That's yeah, great. Like he's That's great. What a great thing to be yeah. to, to to have I together. Owe him so much. <laughs> yeah. What a brilliant thing to have done for your whole life, though, with your dad. Yeah. And it's great, isn't it? So one of the things I was really interested in finding out talking to you is, I'm guessing that when you got into climbing. You never in a million years thought you would end up doing what you're doing now. No. Because no, it wasn't really an option, was it? No, not at all. And I mean, when I was young and I started climbing, a lot of people would be like, oh, you could be really good, which is I always thought was a strange thing to say. Um, I don't know if I was natural or whatever it was. Um, but I, I think the, part keenness. of it is just that I loved it. Um, right. Yeah, and... I guess when I was really young, I had this dream, and I, I think I even said to my dad, like, I want to I wanna win the World Cups, like, I want to be world number one. And he was like, that's amazing, like, I'll fully support you. I have no idea how we do this. And I wow. was like, right. me either, like, so I don't how, know what. How old were you then? Um, I, was, I started competing at the age of seven, and I think that's when I was like, right, I want to do this. Blimey. Um, and right. it wasn't a case of like, I'll win at all costs. It was, I want to see how far I can go. Like, can I be good enough? And it was never, I want to beat people. I've never had the mindset of competing against anybody else. For me, I climb on the wall and if I climb well and I climb my best and that's enough for me to win, then that's great. If it's not, I'll go away and train harder. I'm never trying to beat anyone else. Um, And I think that's something I learned from my my dad as well. Um, So yeah, I think both of us were like, yeah, that'd be cool, but it seems so unrealistic. Um, so you just thought you'd you'd keep climbing with that as a bit of a long-term goal? And see I don't even think I thought about it again for, you know, like 10, 15 years until, right. I, until it was in reach. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is something that I've wanted for a long time. And now okay. it's possible. Um, now I know how to do it. Um, yeah, what, so. Well, was there a point then? when you thought oh can you remember like you thought oh actually I could make a career out of this um so I had my last year of A-levels I set all my exams 
Um, it's one thing I was very adamant that I wanted to do is pass my exams, get accepted into university and make the conscious choice not to go. Right, <laughs> so, so you wanted I that, you wanted wanted that fallback. That it wasn't yeah. even a fallback, it didn't feel like... It just felt like I had to prove that to myself, not okay. to anyone else, that I could do that and that was always going to be an option. I loved learning and I would love to go back and learn more, you know, like if I have the time and the, well, I guess the money to do it. It's yeah, expensive well, well, to go to university, these days, hey? These days it is, <laughs> um, isn't it? Yeah, so I wanted to make that decision, so I deferred all my entries for a year. Uh, I didn't, had no clue what I wanted to study, so I applied right. to do sports science, I think, because that just felt like, the logical thing yeah. to apply for. Sure. Um, no idea what I wanted to study and decided I'd give myself a year to see if I could make it as a full-time climber. Right. Uh, and then I broke my leg. Oh, wow. <laughs> that wasn't okay. a great start, but it actually worked out really well. So, yeah, and then I started to do better in the World Cups and was like, okay, I want to win. I want to win a World Cup. I want, And then I was... And then it was kind of always in the back of my mind that I wanted to get that world number one title. Yeah. Um... So to do that and then to do it again for a second time, yeah, yeah, it still feels weird to talk about. I still don't feel like I ever was the world number one. Right. Like I'm like, well, well I guess I still am for now. Right. Um, How do you mean yeah, then? So it felt, it felt it felt like looking at somebody else. I think for me, I'm always like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's right. next? I know that reflection and acceptance is important and I spend time reflecting on my performances and my climbing and my training but yeah I'm always looking to what I'm about to do not what I have done so I think it's cool that I won that overall but I'm not like oh I'm one number one I'm like did okay that's done what's next do, do you uh, <laughs> have the ability to enjoy the achievements that you um I think that's yeah it's pretty interesting I don't know maybe not so much like i enjoy the moment and I enjoy the process but afterwards I'm not really a celebrator like I'm not someone who would want a big party or want like if I win a world cup generally me and my training partner uh, Leah will go back to our hotel and make a cup of tea and watch some rubbish on Netflix and right. go to bed you know maybe we'll go to one of the parties a year and usually it gets about one o'clock in the morning I'm like I'm tired can we go <laughs> to bed now yeah 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 um yeah I'm not I, I mean I do celebrate in some capacity just not in the conventional sense I guess yeah. I'm not a partier really but you're quite um, you're quite like quick my boyfriend you know I come home and he's like well done and that's it I do a really hard climb outside and he's like well done there's no like yeah we did it that's awesome and you know he's an incredible climber himself you see him do something outdoors that's yeah unreal and he'll get to the top and there's no celebration it's quite calm maybe I'm just too British well, I mean, I just think I just think it's really. I don't know if it is. I think it's a trait of successful people. I think I think you know, like looking at what's next. Yeah. But I I, I do sometimes because I can completely empathise with that. Like if I achieve an ambition, I've noticed sometimes I, I'm very much like, oh well, that was that, you know. Did that. And then yep, and then on to, on to the next thing. What's the next thing? And then set a new goal straight away. But I've, I think I've, I always have a new goal ready. Maybe. Yeah. There's always a new goal waiting for me. I don't like to not have goals. Where, where will <laughs> it end, though? You know what I mean? That's what I've started asking myself. Like, where's that? Where's that going? There's got to be something that, that. But maybe there's not. Maybe. Maybe yeah, it's I just mean, ongoing. For me, my 
long-term goal, I guess, was to get that overall world title, um, so to be world number one, like win which the you, World Cup which series, which, which I did. <laughs> and then I and then I hurt Twice. my shoulder and had surgery. So then I was like, okay, I want to prove that I can come back from this. Right. Not to anyone, just to myself. I was like, I think I can. And that would be a cool thing to do. And then I came back and I thought that would probably take a couple of years to come back after that. And then I won the next World Cup series. So was, at that point, I was like, oh, wow. Uh, okay and didn't at that point really know what was next but that was when I was trying to make the decision about whether or not to try and go for the Tokyo games yeah well yeah, so I was about to say that that you've led me very nicely to yeah perfectly <laughs> well my career has kind of led me very nicely to Tokyo you know and yeah. at the point where I was deciding what my focus was and what I wanted to do next was when that, that decision I was kind of having to make that well you were hedging your bets for a bit weren't you I mean I've read a few interviews with you where you, where you were asked a lot about it when it was yeah. announced and you were definitely like, oh I don't know I don't know well right. I wanted to make the decision be- and have the time and the space to make it on, not on my own with my team but without any sponsors or outsiders or anyone else pushing me into it because like I said earlier I am a 110% kind of person I yeah. will put everything into what I'm doing and I don't I don't want to go to Tokyo to participate I want to go to compete like I want to be fighting for a medal yeah if I'm going to do it I'm not going to do it by halves you know I'm going to be out there so that's a massive commitment to make for this year and next year as well as the year of the games you know the training is going to be really intense I'm taking on two new sports well I was, I was about to say it's probably a good point to talk about the format right because if if you listen and you don't really know what's going on here so there's three disciplines, aren't there? There's speed climbing, yeah. there's bouldering, and there's lead climbing. Yeah. And they're quite separate. Yeah, so bouldering is my discipline. That's yeah. what I, my discipline, I own it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's no, what you compete in. You compete, I compete in. You've competed so lead, haven't you? But you, you compete bouldering. Well, I've only, I did my first lead World Cup last year. I competed in lead when I was a junior. Yeah. And so bouldering is climbing not too high above the ground, uh, above crash mats, no ropes, and it's on lots of different angles and lots of different styles of climbing. Yeah. Uh, lead climbing is climbing with a rope, and it's quite a long way usually um so you're climbing for a much longer period of time it's more endurance based and you take the rope up with you and clip in as you go speed climbing is self-explanatory yeah. who gets who can, up the wall the fastest go, and it's the same route in it who can get all that route yeah so that route has been in place for a, a number of years yeah. now so it's very well rehearsed for a lot of the speed specific yeah. discipline climbers and i'm not going to say it's a controversy but there's definitely been a little bit of discontent I, I, I see in the community just because the decision has been made for Tokyo to combine those three events. Yeah, which right? has never really which been Which has never been before. happened before. And I think the reason for that is because um, <laughs> they gave two medals, didn't they? They gave a male and female yep. medal and they gave 40 spots. Yeah, this, is so the, this is the IOC. So, yeah. the, so the climbing authorities had to make a decision, didn't they? It was like, well, you know, do we choose one of our sports or do we or choose do we them all them? And, the, and the solution they've come up with is to create this new ca- the new event basically isn't yeah, it yeah the combined yeah. event yeah and that's had that's ruffled feathers really because uh, you know speed athletes and you guys are quite different athletes aren't very you very much so you know yeah. so so obviously you need to learn you know on paper it's like Shauna like you know twice world champion going for the Olympics but it's not that straightforward is it because you basically no. got to learn two <laughs> new disciplines and yeah. everybody's got to learn two <laughs> new disciplines so yeah, so I just wanted to contextualize that because that's a big deal really. So for you, so it's fine to say like, oh, I'm going to go to the Olympics, but that's the decision you've had to make, isn't it? Well, I'm not even saying I'm going. I mean, you know, it's 20, 20 men and 20 women worldwide that are going to be selected. But the selection process in itself is going to be insanely difficult. Um, but 
yeah, so taking on the two new sports, that's the reason whether or not to try and compete at the games was so hard. I think yeah, it I mean, sounded massive, obvious to people like, you know, decision. you're two time world number one, yeah. go for the Olympics. And it's like, no, this is going to change a lot. And without my team, without Adela, my coach, basically, I don't think I would have even considered it. I have no idea how to train speed and lead, yeah. but she does. And she, I am 100% confident in her that I can keep, keep being happy and content within the sport and train for these two new disciplines. And we did, I think it was four weeks training in the lead up to my first lead World Cup last year. Um, yeah, so having never competed in one before and I made the final and ended up in fifth, sixth place. I right. got really close to the podium, had Amazing. a little foot slip. Um, that I'm still not over, obviously. <laughs> um, so yeah, that went way better than I expected. And suddenly, I think that, to be honest, that was the point at which I was like, okay, I am ready to like believe in this process now. Um, and I did, I was sight motivated and really confident before, but for me, it's almost like you have to feel it and do it to believe it and that was the point I was like okay I'm ready <laughs> and I'm guessing I might be wrong but I'm guessing speed is the one that you probably is is the biggest challenge maybe yeah so I mean it would have been cool to spend some time learning the speed route and doing a lot of that in the past months but unfortunately my focus has been on coming back from injury so that changed the training a little bit and um, so yeah there's a lot of work to be done on the speed route for me i'm just i'm quite excited about it actually it's it's new it's a new challenge well, i was about to say uh, that's why i found what you said interesting earlier about like right what's the new challenge now yeah. that you've explained that mindset that you yeah, have so I'm, this makes sense i feel like it was a very natural progression for me to go from where i was to where i am and yeah i'm just i'm really excited about training i just want to get a strong fit capable and I guess fast now as I can and um, yeah I feel like I'm incredibly lucky to be working with such a good team who are very confident and very supportive and I get to see how good I can get really right not many people get to do that so have you got it in <laughs> place for the next two years is, is the plan in place for how you're going to try and I feel like a there's a plan this. in place for the rest of my life. My <laughs> team is so organized. Right. I never know what's going on. Um, no, there is a plan. And I'm really confident in the plan. And I believe in it. Um, but my focus right now is the world, the bouldering World Cups. And then it'll be the lead World Cups. And then, yeah, I mean, I feel like everything's kind of just happening at a really good pace. And I'm yeah. going along with it in a way. But able to, like get sight and try hard and have a good time with it and yeah. yeah I feel so incredibly lucky to be in that situation yeah do you do you um pay any attention to like the sort of cultural argument that it might be bad for climbing because it'll promote a particular type of climber like it's because obviously bouldering is a pretty expressive form of climbing yeah. it's a creative form of climbing you've got to solve problems you know you've mm -hmm. got to do you you know there's been some rumblings about like that it might culturally affect the sport do you do you buy into that have you, have you i think it's an interesting topic and with anything with any change in the sport there's going to be people who see it in a positive and negative way and people are of course entitled to their opinion and i can understand why there are negative comments going around but for me our sport's going to be put on the biggest most prestigious stage you know it's going to reach more people. I think everybody should go and try climbing. I think everyone should get involved, see if they can find even like a small percentage of the enjoyment that I do. And if they can, if people can find something that 
they love and they want to do and lead a healthier more active lifestyle then I don't understand how people can argue against that you know I think it'd be so cool to see more people climbing more people getting involved and really enjoying it climbing's one of the only sports that I know that is not monotonous in any way there's always new challenges there's always new things to try they change the holds on the wall and I think <clears throat> I think there's a lot of people out there who would love that aspect of it you know people who go to the gym and find yeah. they get bored really easily I think climbing you should go try climbing yeah yeah it's well, that's fun why, that's, that's and why I go. there's always new things to do um so yeah I mean of course there are negative comments I would be amazed if there weren't but yeah I don't think well, that I, it's a bad thing I think they've just made a compromise haven't they because they've basically thought <clears> like well we need to we need to get it in there to get the platform like you're talking yeah. about so we'll do it this way because then we don't exclude any discipline and oh, I'm the IFSC in my opinion made the best decision they didn't have wasn't an easy much, decision much opportunity if they had chosen bouldering I can't see how lead climbing and speed climbing would survive in the face exactly. of that, you know, and if they had chosen lead climbing and that would been could could potentially have been the end of bouldering competitions, that would have been a really sad situation to be in. And yeah. I think showcasing and displaying all of our sports equally and fairly is a really good decision that they made. Um, yeah. And I am excited for people to see what our sport is all about. Yeah. So do you... Um which discipline or the, which, the athletes of which discipline do you think are going to have a bit of an advantage? Bouldering. Yeah. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> On message. That's what I'm going with. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I actually believe that as well. Um, I don't know though. I mean, gaining endurance is tricky. Uh, learning the speed route is going to be tricky. I think for me, I did a lot of endurance and lead comps when I was younger. So I have the experience and the base level fitness there from that. Hopefully, we'll find out. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's definitely useful. Speed is a learned route, so it's, I think it'd be hard to transition into bouldering and lead from speed purely because you're then having to problem solve. But if there are climbers in speed currently who do a lot of the other disciplines already, I don't know if there are, you know? So it's going to be... Basically, nobody knows. No, it's, it's new all ground. speculation. It's new ground, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's going to be interesting. Your guess is literally as good as yeah, mine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know better than me, so I'm not going to guess. <laughs> and you got the world champs this year as well. Yeah, world champs are in Innsbruck in yeah. September. So I actually know the schedule for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm assuming another big goal for you. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I mean, my focus is really on Tokyo now, um, so that's kind of where I'm looking to and there's a lot of stepping stones along the way and that's one of them one of the things I also wanted to ask you about is um, you've kind of talked about it a little bit but uh, mental preparation mm -hmm. because we've talked a lot about the physical side of climbing but particularly bouldering particularly the you know competitive bouldering is a mental game you know there's a lot Massively. there's a lot going on um, do you do any preparation for that? Because you're quite renowned, I think, aren't you, for having a really strong mindset and for for, for being able, being equally strong on the mental side as the physical side. Yeah, is that, that is that um, <laughs> is that something that you um, consciously work on? Um, so it's something that I am definitely aware of and something that I think is massively important. Um, someone once told me 80% of climbing is in your head, and I kind of thought, where have you plucked that figure from? <laughs> like who? <laughs> Who like nobody can really say that you no. know. There's, there's a study that's been you done. Put a stat on it, but it's same but, for any sport. But isn't at it? the same time, 
in a World Cup final, there are six girls and six guys. And I truly believe everyone is physically capable of winning that gold medal. Um, yeah, so you have, you, I mean, you go out in front of a crowd and you have four minutes to climb a boulder that you've never tried before. You've just looked at it for two minutes with the rest of the group and you've got to try and figure it out. So I think there's two different sides to the mental aspects of it. There's the problem solving element, because we call them boulder problems. Yeah. You know, you've got to look at it, figure it out, and that's definitely tricky. Um, do, do, you always, and then, do you always get it? So when you No, sometimes I pull on the wall and I haven't got a clue what yeah, I'm doing. I did, I and did, I end I up at the top going, what just happened? Right. And, and sometimes I look at it and go, yes, I know exactly what to do. Right. Start climbing and go, oh, I didn't know what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> this is wrong, this is wrong. Right. And uh, like trying not to fall off so that I can not waste an attempt um, or falling off and then like switching that mindset to like, okay, that went wrong. Why did it go wrong? How do I reevaluate? What do I need to do next time? How can I make sure I get to the top? Um, right. So yeah, there's a lot going on out there. Um, well, as you said, and you got a crowd. I think experience is, is the main thing there. Yeah? Yeah. So I think like, yeah, the crowd like people always often ask me like you know I get nervous competing in front of a crowd and I think maybe I used to but I've right. got so used to it it's so normal um yeah well it's a proper I, don't, I, I kind of like it I it's enjoy a proper it. rock star environment isn't it you know the crowds go mental like you know you're right you're right there yeah. and I think in finals as well you know you're giving a performance and it's kind of almost less of a competition than the other rounds like once you kind of get there and yeah you're competing for first place but it's the show then you know like yeah. there's a crowd so there's lights there's music it's you kind of yeah if you don't perform and you don't do well it's going to be a rubbish show for all those people in the crowd so you've got you better dry hard out there <laughs> yeah yeah okay but there's no there's no like you know because sometimes you see athletes with music on and they're prepping themselves yeah, I mean, there's no rituals people have different preferences before they go out to climb some of the some of the guys and girls have music on some of them have um like different preps i guess like do different things uh for me i pretty much i clean my shoes drink some red bull and go out and climb like i don't have a really a strict routine no no rituals like i like to be able to hear the crowd i like to know what's going not we don't know what's going on but i like to hear as much as i can and just yeah, yeah. be in my own little space yeah yeah Okay. Like content. <laughs> no, it's interesting. I did because uh, it's like like we say in any professional sport, any sport really, whatever level you perform at, being mentally strong is so important. And um, yeah, definitely. It's it really is another thing that marks out people that are successful and that aren't really. So I was obviously interested in finding out mm -hmm. a little bit more about that. So you mentioned the women's uh, climbing symposium, yeah, which is a project close to your heart. Yes, very much so. And you've Eight been years this year. And yeah, and you you're one of the founders of that, obviously. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the participation of women in climbing has come a long, long way, presumably, yes. throughout the length of your career. Yeah. So is it something that you felt, right, I really want to put something back in here and, and try well, and... Well, it was born out of... Um, so I used to run a women's coaching class at the Climbing Hunger in Liverpool. Uh, I think it was like Thursday nights or something. Right. And a lot of the women in the group had very similar barriers to the sport. And I was chatting to a friend of mine about it and saying like, 
these women are nervous about when climbing up when they're on that period or climbing in front of their boyfriends and being stronger than them or getting big muscles or whatever it was and these are all things that I just never even considered right were issues or barriers or anything and I just couldn't process why these women were struggling to overcome them and I felt almost a bit ignorant that I'd not been aware of these things right um, that's so interesting I was chatting away with some friends and we were like well why don't we try and do something about it and like let's run this event like chat about some of these barriers and see if we can help so we ran an event we had 60 climbers we sold out and we had talks on nutrition we had uh, loads of different things go on like coaches come in and like lots of discussion and lots of chat and that was the first event and it was like okay this there is a demand for this why there's a demand for this we don't know but people want it people want this women's only event well they probably want um, the environment don't they like you say the environment yeah. to feel like they can experience it exactly without and being then it judged just, it just blew up and totally changed and transformed over the years it's no longer an event about barriers it's an event about celebration yeah it's an event well, it's big in it it's a big deal celebrating yeah. the fact that we're climbers who are women and love it and our mission statement is to connect develop and inspire you know it's all about coming together giving people the opportunity to connect the opportunity to learn and we really want to inspire people we bring in speakers from all over the world we bring in speakers from different sports and we just get together and have a really good time i always leave the women's symposium feeling super motivated and psyched and you know it's my own event so i'm biased but i put so much effort into it and we spend a lot of time organizing it so usually I expect it to be a little bit stressful, but it's not. It just, everyone comes together. The community is amazing and yeah, it's great. And we ask every year on the feedback form, like, do you want a women's on the event? Is this important? And the answer is always yes. So for as long as people want it, we'll keep putting it on. But yeah, it's such a fun day. Yeah, it's How really can people cool. get involved then? Just check the website. And check out the website. Yeah, this year we've just recently announced that we'll have our next event at Harrow Wall. So not too far from London and... North London. Yeah. North London, yeah. And it will be on the 6th of October and it's going to be our biggest event yet. Our biggest so far I think was 450 and we're going even bigger this year so it's going to be exciting to kind of push it and every single year at the WCS we've sold out so there clearly is a demand for it. Um, so yeah, it's cool. I'm excited. I coached again last year because I missed a couple of years coaching because it was so busy with the organising. Um, yeah. But I was, it was great to be back out on the mats and working with my training partner and one of my coaches, Leah. So we were running a dynamic climbing class, which was really good fun. So it sounds like you really enjoy that, really enjoy like coaching people. and Yeah, and, I love uh, getting stuck in and like helping people and yeah. seeing people make progress. And yeah, enjoy and spreading, it. So, uh, spreading yeah, the love. I think what inspires me most is seeing people try hard and achieve their goals whether that's someone doing their first ever pull-up or doing their first green boulder at the climbing wall you know whatever whatever it is or running their first marathon it can be in any way shape or form yeah like people achieving and like something that they've had to work for is what inspires me yeah so being able to help people do that is really cool so you've said in the past that uh outdoor climbing is is a bit of a treat yeah that you, that, you know a bit of, <laughs> i a bit wish of, i had more time so yeah you do you do much <laughs> i love climbing outside and it definitely feels like a hobby as a, whereas indoor training and competing feels a bit like a job a job that i adore and love um 
but yeah there's a lot of big goals that I want to achieve on rock and things that I want to do but I feel like competition climbing is something that you can only do for a limited amount of time whereas outdoor climbing I feel like there's more time yeah. for that um, so I kind of put in that on hold I guess I try and get outside and do things as and when I can um, unfortunately the past few off seasons I've been dealing with injuries so not had the opportunity to do as much but yeah I think there's, I've yeah, I've still got a lot left to do outside <laughs> yeah so I mean the obvious question given what you've said about ambitions and you know projects is, is there anything in that arena that you have got your sights on any yes, goals maybe yeah? anything <laughs> you'd like to like to share um there's nothing that I'm like kind of saying out loud I think yeah, yeah. um there's things that I would love to do but until they feel realistic I don't think that I'll like be confident yeah. that I can do them um yeah whilst I'm still focusing on competition climbing and pursuing my goals indoors I think outdoors needs to stay fun and it needs to yeah. stay something that I enjoy and it needs to luckily what I enjoy is pushing myself and trying really hard outside so yeah that's cool but um yeah I don't want to have like big goals that I'm chasing outside I just want to go and enjoy it yeah and I think that that's one of the ways that I stay motivated and stay happy within the sport is is having that yeah oh very wise keep it separate yeah. keep the keep the have an area that's just fun and just about relaxation I think yeah. otherwise you just go a bit mad wouldn't you if you yeah, if you're pushing so. yourself <laughs> in that area as well you know um, so I've got to ask you about the MBE. It was an MBE, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, which yeah. must have I been... I think that's something as well. I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. That seems really weird. Yeah, yeah. So that would... I'm guessing you just had no clue that was going to happen. I had no idea, and I still don't know who nominated me. Really? So if anyone's listening to this and you nominated me, I would like to thank you because I don't know who so it they was. So don't, they don't tell you? <laughs> no, I thought they would. That's kind of mad. You'd think they'd, yeah. they'd be like, and by the way, this was... This is who nominated you if you yeah. want to thank them. I'd love was, to thank them. Was it services to climbing? Is that what it? Yeah, so I actually received that just before I won my first um, world title, or I received the letter. Right. Um, Amazing. Yeah, so that was cool. And Did you meet the Queen? No, I didn't meet the Queen. I met Princess Anne. Oh, yeah. But I was kind of hoping that I'd meet the Queen. <laughs> now I need to get the next level up. What, what is, is the it? Next OBE? Yeah, I think CB? it's OBE, isn't it? Yeah. We should go straight to Dame. Yeah. If, uh, <laughs> if the queen wants to get me in there get the queen, yeah get the queen on side yeah but that's an amazing but it was, thing though it was incredible and yeah. i'm in really honored to have that title and it was very unexpected and a lot of fun to get dressed up and go to the palace yeah i bet <laughs> yeah brilliant change of scene yeah <laughs> well i think we're, we're pretty good here you know so but coming up to an hour which has gone pretty quickly yeah it's gone really fast um so I told you I could chat. No, it's been brilliant. <laughs> it's been really, it's been great. I really enjoyed it, and thank you very much for coming on. Give me, you know, give me an hour of your time. So, I'm going to bring it back to my friend Evie, keen, keen climber for the last question. You know, 13. So, what advice would you give her to, you know, at this point in a sort of climbing career? She's talented. She's super into it. Mm -hmm. How can she? What, my, what's the best thing she can do? My advice, and this is for any climber, is to try and have as much fun with it as possible. So my top three tips would be to have fun. My second would be to go and to do the things that you don't like, so the things you're not good at. Oh, when I was a young climber, advice, I would actually. avoid doing slabs or I would avoid doing like footwork or just the things that seemed a bit boring. Right. So not just the things that you're bad at, but the things that you don't like as well. And number three would be to warm up. 
Warming up is so important. Right. And as a kid, you never want to do it. It no. seems so boring. What's your warm-up routine? It varies. Generally, it starts with a lot of acro yoga, which yeah. means we have a lot of fun. Uh, so my training partner and I, Leo, um, we have a hashtag on Instagram, Leah and Shauna. Yeah, and I, I have seen If you want to watch us roll around <laughs> and do stupid things, then yeah. check that out. But um, yeah, so we just roll around and have a lot of fun with it. And then I do quite a lot of shoulder stability work right. and activation stuff. And then get on the wall and easy climbing. My warm up takes me about an hour. Okay, right. It takes quite a long Proper time. Proper job. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm getting old. Well, I, I mean, you, you know, you, you try to <laughs> say, aren't you? But if I could go back and like tell my younger self to warm up more, I would. You would do? Yeah. Okay, because you think that would have a big effect. In yeah, I think I did the having fun bit well, and I think I learned the doing the things you're bad at and you don't like thing eventually. Um, but it took me a while to learn the warm-up thing. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like good advice to me. <laughs> nice one, Shauna. I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah no, Sorry it's all I good. Sorry I talked your ear off no, for an brilliant. hour. No, <laughs> if, if only it was always this easy. Um, yeah, great, thank you. So there you go. That was my chat with Shauna. And I told you it was a good one. Yeah, I found her to be open, honest, friendly. She comes across, really. I mean, she even took the time to record a personal video message to my friend Evie the Climber, which uh, obviously made Evie's year... Apparently, she's yet to come down off the ceiling. So thanks, Shauna. Thanks for coming on the show and for getting into the spirit of the podcast so wholeheartedly. And if you are a newcomer who's been brought here by my interview with Shauna, then stick around, do some digging. I think you'll definitely like the Alex uh, Honold episode from last year. But yeah, there's loads more to have listened to. So uh, yeah, have a listen. Let me know what you think. So what else is going on? Is it time for Housekeeping Corner? I think it is. Well, firstly, the merch as I mentioned online, is if not quite flying off the shelves, then definitely sauntering its way off the shelves. It's out there, much to my surprise, people are, people are buying it, which is pretty wicked. So if you have purchased, thanks so much for supporting the show. Those pennies are really going to help me pay for some of the costs I incur making this thing. And yeah, help me keep on making more of them in the future. I've just actually expanded the range to include hoodies and sweatshirts just in time for that heat wave last week, actually. And they're looking great. So, yeah, get yourself over to www.lookingsideways.teemill.com. And if you do buy something, send me a picture, podcast at wearelookingsideways.com, so I can plaster your face all up on social and that. So big thanks elsewhere to everybody who listened to and uh, got in touch about the Paddy Graham episode and huge hats off to everybody who made the same gag about looking forwards. And there was quite a few of you that made that one. So nice one. Weird thing was nobody made the same gag when he interviewed runner Charlie Dark, who, you know, technically would also be looking forwards, being that he's a runner. So unless everyone out there goes for a run sideways, I can only conclude that it's something to do with that die-hard anti-skier MNT that I thought we'd buried long ago. Either way, I got ourselves surprised to see we've got so many literalists among the Looking Sideways listenership. I mean, I kind of thought it was obvious the title was a metaphor, but there you go. Elsewhere, big ups to my friend Hamish Duncan, who's uh, just published a photo book called 22 in association with the calm photography movement. Now, Hamish is one of my uh, dearest friends and somebody I was lucky enough to travel the world with throughout my 20s. He was a ridiculously talented snowboarder whose, whose career came to an abrupt end when he broke his back at an event back in 2003 in Val And since then, you know, I think it's fair to say he's been processing that life-changing and career-ending event. And uh, the latest part of that process has been this uh, really beautiful photo book, 
that makes the connection between mental health and the outdoors. And I was honoured to write the forward for that. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful piece of work. So big up, Samish. Um, it's great. Not sure if there's any copies left, but noise him up on uh, Instagram over at Hamburine, H-A-M-B-O-U-R-I-N-E to see if there are any or just to go and have a look because he's been posting loads of pictures over there and they're looking great. All right, that's it for this week. I've got two more in the bag, as I've mentioned previously. Parts two and three of my Swiss Omnibus with the Brusty, Patrick Armbruster from Absinthe Films and Starla Sandbeck. Still not quite worked out how to say his name properly. So sorry, Starla, if you did end up listening um, to a few of the pods, as you said you were going to do. Um, but yeah, keep them peeled. If you want to make sure you get all the new ones, you know what to do. Subscribe via iTunes. Um, yeah, give me a follow. We look sideways on Instagram and Twitter, or I'm over on Facebook. You can just find it really easily. Uh, we look in, we look uh, with looking sideways. God, not we look sideways. I'm doing it now. Um, but yeah, that's it. Nice one. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. See you later.